Hey, this is Acronym TV. So what do you stand for? Dear Joe, as spring flips over to summer and we start our sprint to the conventions and the 2020 presidential election, it sure seems like you can't possibly lose this election, right? I mean, one, you're surging in the polls right now. Check. Two, Trump launched his 2020 campaign with a surreal, low-energy shit show whose most enduring image is going to be those empty seats reserved by K-pop fans and TikTok tweens. And three, Trump's empty vows to jail protesters for a year who burn the flag or 10 years if they, quote, disrespect our heritage and topple the statues of Confederate leaders has many asking, is this fucking guy running for president of the United States? Or is he running for the Duke of Hazard County? People will die because of that rally in Arizona. Dead. The reason people will die is that the president of the United States is a vaudevillian with fascist tendencies who needs a live audience. Like The Walking Dead in the TV show, The Walking Dead, Trump is an antagonist that serves as the main instigator for the plot points in the reality TV show of his presidency. And in that show, he needs to eat us alive to survive. Trump, you see, just likes a good show. Trump is sacrificing people on the altar of Trump to advance his reelection. And the idea that Trump doesn't like testing because, you know, more tests equals more cases is not a joke. He doesn't kid. It is now clear that he wasn't kidding when he told his people to stop testing. There's a new plan at the White House for how to deal with coronavirus testing at the federal level in states across the country. Jeff Bennett reporting that the Trump administration is planning to end its funding and support for coronavirus testing sites at the end of this month. That is on June 30th. Now, to be clear, history is full of examples of U.S. presidents who sacrificed the lives of U.S. soldiers and people in other countries by taking us to war to distract us and win a presidential election. That is as much of the American fabric as baseball, apple pie, and lynchings. But Trump, in flouting science, common sense, and the only known way to flatten the curve, is the first president to wage war on the entire U.S. population. As Donald Trump continues to flounder and fail, it might be tempting as a campaign strategy to play it safe, Joe, win the Electoral College, push Humpty Dumpty Trump off his wall, and waltz to victory without much of an effort. You must be thinking that you can run a Hillary Clinton-style campaign with only a few minor tweaks to convince some white people in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin to relegate Trump to the ash bin of single-term presidential failures. But here's the thing. Trump also knows he can't persuade, cannot persuade a majority of Americans to vote for him. But instead, Trump's only path to a second term is widespread voter suppression, the abuse of the executive branch to suppress dissent, and lies repeated enough to create an alternate reality. If Trump's first campaign revealed him to be a reality TV candidate and president, he is now 
clearly pursuing an alternate facts, an alternate reality TV campaign. The alternate facts reality of a Trump second term will be the consolidation of power of some of the most disgusting interests and inclinations of the far right. And make no mistake, this must be stopped. But let us also recognize this is a moment that one that calls for something so much more significant than the old Joe Biden middle of the road mentality. What do you say, Joe? What do you say, Joe Biden supporters? Joe's got the votes of the centrists. Joe's got the votes of the corporatists and the Karen Democrats all locked up. Where are they going to go? They're not going anywhere. If you pursue a traditional campaign with a watered down Melba toast policy demands, you risk the same fate as Hillary Clinton. And does anyone remember the summer and fall of 2016? Anyone? I really, I really wish my mother could be here tonight. I wish she could see her daughter become the Democratic Party's nominee. Here we go. This is a Fox News election alert. Pennsylvania goes to Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the president of the United States. In counties using electronic voting, Hillary Clinton appears to have mysteriously underperformed. There is, quote, persuasive evidence that election results in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan may have been manipulated or hacked. An attorney for the Green Party's Jill Stein called for a recount. Green Party nominee Jill Stein is breathing new life into efforts seeking a presidential recount in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan. 80% of Americans, according to a New York Times poll, were disgusted by the conduct of the election. We are not here with a partisan extra grind. We're here as the American people to say we deserve a voting system that we have confidence in. In the city of Detroit, throughout Metro Detroit, we've gotten some reports in our newsroom of people saying that the voting machines were no longer swallowing or taking in or ingesting those ballots anymore and they were worried that their vote wouldn't count ah remember when the karen democrats fell in love with jill stein sure it was only a few weeks in the aftermath of trump's victory and only because jill's lawsuit was the only hope of stopping the horror show we are now experiencing now full disclosure for those of you who don't know i launched jill stein's presidential campaign and served for a time as her communications director and that full story of my time on the trail is a future episode of Dear, Dear, Dear Joe Biden. But for now, I'm going to say that I know that many of you watching blame Jill Stein and to some extent me, maybe, for Hillary Clinton's defeat. This is a line of argument that ignores basic math. <laughs> More people voted for the libertarian candidate and siphoned votes from Trump. Uh, it, it, an even larger block, 44% of the voting age population did not vote for anyone in 2016. And this line of argument also ignores the principles of a free democracy. But I digress. I'm not here to sell anyone on voting for a Green Party in 2020. I'm not here to judge you if that's where you were at. I'm here to agitate for solutions to problems. And that's why you should be here too. So bring it. For decades, the Democrats have taken for granted the far left of the party and tacked to the center where they got fat and lazy sucking on the teat of big money and corporate interests. Why not try a new strategy? Make some real and meaningful concessions to the populist left. Run a campaign that will inspire the turnout you need to carry enough down-ballot momentum to evict the Mitch McConnells and the Matt Gateses of the world out of the House, out of the Senate. Even more, let's seize this moment to crush underfoot the bloated cockroach that is the grand old party. 
This way, when you get to the Oval Office, Joe, your agenda can be more ambitious than whatever seems politically feasible to extract from the blood-sucking vampires on the right side of the aisle. Imagine the possibilities. You can close out your political career as the head of an administration that ushers in the kind of revolutionary change we need to even approach justice in this country. It's the right thing to do. But if your moral compass does not guide you, perhaps the prevailing winds of change in your own party will. Earlier this week, I'm sure you noted one of the worst Democrats in Congress, a 16-term incumbent, a warmonger, a Elliot Engel, got pulverized in a challenge from his left by Jamal Bowman, a middle school principal. He won what many viewed as a proxy battle between the establishment Democrats and the growing power and might of an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez style takeover from within the party. Unfortunately, as we all know, we live in a country where despite our financial wealth, we have tens of millions of children still living in poverty. And as an educator working for the Department of Education for 20 years, I've seen the impact of poverty on the lives of our kids each and every day. And poverty is not a result of children and families who don't work hard. Our children and families work as hard as anyone else. Poverty is by political design. And it's rooted in a system that has been fractured and corrupt and rotten from its core, from the inception of America, especially over the last several decades. So poverty and the impact of poverty on our children and dealing with issues of institutional racism and sexism and classism and xenophobia and everything that keeps the majority of us oppressed is what we designed this campaign to fight against. So tonight as we celebrate, we don't just celebrate me as an individual, we celebrate this movement, a movement designed to push back against a system that's literally killing us. It's killing black and brown bodies disproportionately, but it's killing all of us. It's killing us mentally, psychologically, and spiritually. It's forcing us to live in the country and in the world where so many people are hopeless and have lost faith, not just in the political system, but in each other. But our movement is designed to restore that faith, to restore that hope, to bring back the belief in what is possible. Did you hear that, Joe? The man is talking about the poor. So I don't want to listen to you wax poetic about rebuilding the middle class. Joe, don't talk about the middle class. Joe, don't. Joe, do not. Joe, do it. Sure, it was only a few weeks in the aftermath of Trump's victory and only because Jill's lawsuit was the only hope of stopping the horror show. Now, full disclosure, for those of you who don't know, I launched Jill Stein's presidential campaign and served for a time as her communication. You know what, by definition, is required to keep the myth of a middle class alive? Poverty. And you know what intersects with poverty in America? Racism, anti-blackness, and capitalism. Say it with me, Joe. Fuck the middle class. Fuck the idea of it. Fuck the mythology of it and burn to the ground that version of the American dream that says I should strive for and cling to the ring of the middle class. There would be no middle without the poor. That one in five kids in the United States live below the poverty line is immoral. It's not a mistake 
or a fault of the system. It's part of the design. Like George Carlin said, 2020. I'm not here to judge you if that's where you were at. I'm here to agitate for solutions to problems. And that's why you should be here too. So bring it. For decades, the Democrats have taken for granted the far left of the party and tacked to the center where they got fat and lazy sucking on the teat of big money and corporate interests. Why not try a new strategy? Make some real and meaningful. And yet we cling, don't we? No, worse, we teach our children to invest in the false American dream that if we only work a little bit harder or go into a little bit more educational debt that we would be able to grasp the brass ring and wear the label of the American middle class proudly. That label is made in Bangladesh, mind you, by a child working six days a week, 16 hours a day, and making 30 bucks a month. But you'd be proud to wear that middle-class label just the same. And in doing so, you, me, I, I know, not only endorse the conditions of poverty that because of its very existence defines the middle class, we ensure that poverty is going to continue. So that's not going to do anymore, Joe. And where does that leave you? You have been retreading a version of that, quote, rebuild the middle-class message since the mm, 1410s, give or take. What now? You can adopt a message and a tone more in step with this revolutionary moment. I know, that's scary, but don't worry, Joe. Americans love revolutionaries. I mean, we love them on postage stamps. We love them on posters in college dorm rooms. And we really love them as represented in sung-through hip-hop Broadway musicals like Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I am not throwing away my shot. Unfortunately, Joe, in your career, you have been much less of an Alexander Lynn manuel Miranda Hamilton and much more of an Aaron Burr. You talk less, you smile more. You'll mingle with patrons willing to pay hundreds or even thousands of dollars a ticket to cheer Lynn manuel Miranda's revolutionaries on Broadway who were fighting. Why were they fighting again? Because the taxes on the tea were too damn high? Do we not have reason enough today in 2020 to be taking our own shot, writing our own history? Also, the politician as performer metaphor has proven to be a winning strategy. No matter what any of us think of Trump's policies, if, in fact, he has any policies, even I would have to admit that if we extend the politician as performer metaphor, Trump takes home the Oscar, the Tony, and the Golden Globe. But even in Trumplandia 2020, we are finally starting to reckon with the racist and, more specifically, anti-black policies of this country and the police who enforce this so-called law and order. At the same time, the pandemic, or more specifically, the criminally negligent Trump administration response to the pandemic has thrown into focus a system that is broken for all but a very few of the super rich. For far too long, the establishment Democrats have used progressive voices to herd voter energy into the fold, only to tack to the center in the general election and even further to the center in governing. This leaves the left feeling like we have been shepherded by a very powerful sheepdog into a vote for the lesser evil vice grip. It doesn't have to be this way. If the lessons of Hillary Clinton's failure teach us anything, it can't be this way. Because we can get rid of Trump while fighting for the righteous demands to defund the police, to provide reparations for the descendants of enslaved people, to get a Green New Deal, to get improved Medicare for all, free college, and a universal basic income. We don't have to sacrifice the fight for any of those things for the political expediency of kicking that fucking asshole out of the White House. We can get rid of Trump and agitate for things that you, me, and everyone we know deserve.
And so, Joe Biden, go big or go the fuck home and get out of the way. Do not repeat the mistakes of Hillary Clinton. She was, to extend the politician as performed metaphor, clearly stuck in a community theater production of Macbeth, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. And for everyone out there who agrees with this message, I invite you to join this journey. Sign up to be a subscriber at DearJoeBiden.com. It's free. Until next time, I'm Dennis Trainer Jr. Help this project grow by sharing it far and wide on your social media circles, tagging someone who needs to see this and hear this. Thank you. Hey, this is Acronym TV. So what do you stand for?